Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friends. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, we will meet Amanda Florzikowski. She has an incredible story to share with us about a life-changing event that sent her on a journey to help moms live free of fear in this chaotic world. She is part of a ministry called Able Moms that equips moms in practical parenting and in their faith. Amanda also is a published author of her book called Unraveled, Mothering Fiercely in a World Full of Fears. And wow, does she have firsthand experience with that to share with us today. Hi, Amanda. I'm so glad you are here with us. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, since the first time I met you, I'm just ecstatic and thrilled to be here. So <laughs> thank you. Hey. Thank you. I same here. We just like hit it off right away on our conversation and just so like-minded and I just can't wait for you to share with us where you found yourself on this path in life helping moms battle fear. I know you are pregnant with baby number 5. Is that okay. correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a busy life. Yeah. Very busy. So share a little more about you and where this all happened for you. Sure. Uh, well, just a little bit about myself. This is baby number five. My husband and I are going to celebrate 15 years of marriage this year. Oh, wow. We um, love to travel. We founded what's called a university model school a few years ago and absolutely love the model. It's kind of a hybrid between homeschooling and, and uh, Christian on-campus schooling. Oh, neat. And so that's kind of unique to our family. My husband is also a pastor, and so that it's fun being a pastor's wife. And then uh, born in Florida, pretty much raised in the Chicagoland area, and um, my husband and I, the very beginning of our marriage, moved to Texas. So absolutely huge change, but very close to you now. And, yeah. Um, this right is, here. I'm in Austin and yeah. yeah, what a huge change with weather, right? Chicago. Yes. <laughs> but, and, we, and all of our kids have been brought home from hospitals here. I mean, we, I wouldn't change it. I love it. So I always yeah. say Chicago roots and Texas boots because that's just <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. the best of both worlds. Yeah. So fun. You wanted to share about something that happened to you, this life-changing event? Do you want to just want to start from there? Yeah. Yeah. I'll actually share four of really brief stories. Okay. Um, because as we were talking, you know, I just love your mission to pray um, and be spirit-led on this. I felt like, you know, these are four brief stories I think would resonate with every mom because the yeah. first story about child sex trafficking is so grandiose and unbelievable. Mm -hmm. While every parent can as associate with the feelings of fear, I don't know that every parent has been in that specific situation, whereas the other three they may have. So mm -hmm. I'll just start with that February day in a grocery store. I dropped my two bigger kids off at school and like any other grocery shopping day, brought my two littles to the grocery store. My son was still an infant in a car seat actually in the cart. 
I, I won't get into the full story. I'll just share the end of it, which is where I happened mm-hmm. to be getting into a register line. And there was a couple there that I noticed was kind of tearing. And I, you know, every mom kind of navigates her shopping trip with like the nap countdown and how many um, yeah. more minutes we have left. And I don't know about There's you. There's a small window. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but like my kids get in the checkout. They are angels the whole time. And it's like, I don't know if they smell the gum and the candy that's right there, but everything goes to hell in a handbasket. I mean, it's like, I just, we lose our minds in the checkout. So this, when there's all four of us. Okay. But this particular day, um, I only had the two littles and it was a fine and, you know, things are rocking and rolling. And I let this couple go ahead and with immediacy, Jamie, this woman um, turns around and starts asking me questions about my daughter, specifically how old she is. And mm-hmm. as she's asking, I'm taking her out of the cart because I want her to stretch her little wiggly legs. I know we have a ride home. So I'm responding to this woman with her age, almost three. And yeah. um, so she was young, Jamie. I mean, she's little. Yeah. And the cart is angled, like most of us angle our carts, you know, and we step in between the cart and the belt, right? We're putting everything on the belt. Right. And my daughter walks around, and so she's kind of in between this woman and the cart, further away from me, closer to the woman. And the woman asks a second time and then a third time, and I notice every time she's asking me, she's turning over her shoulder and speaking to the man that she's with, who's looking straight ahead, who's never looked at my children, Mm-hmm. who hasn't indicated any interest other than he is responding to her in a different language. And then she asks me again. And then she responds back to him, my answer in, in her native tongue. Mm-hmm. And I realize in that moment that this woman is mm-hmm. interpreting my answers to this man who is asking the questions. So while she's oh, wow. interpreting, I'm actually having a conversation with this man. You know, it's one of those moments where, you know, as a mom, I mean, you are, you're like the mom with the most, you know, you, you, and I have talked and you have several kiddos too. And you just have that Holy Spirit gut feeling. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yep. Um, Discernment. You got to check in your spirit. Something's not right. (laughs) Yeah. And I had that feeling while at the same time felt like, no, I'm overreacting. They are clearly a different culture. She does not know how close she's standing to us. She doesn't know how uncomfortable she's making me. And then at the same right. time going, no, I really need to trust this Holy Spirit feeling. And and the reality was that she, you know, I have a cooing infant in the car seat and she's not asking anything about him. So Mm -hmm. there were some red flags that were indicators beyond my own subjective feelings that something was not right. 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 And then naturally we would have those doubts, right? Like, am I overreacting? And just like you were saying, maybe it's her her culture trying to justify the feelings, the weird feelings that you're getting, right? But then it's too intense that you need to trust them. Yeah. Absolutely. She continues asking me about my daughter. And at this time, I'm like, man, this is not adding up. So she is so close at this point. She puts her hand on my cart. So my daughter is actually wedged in between her. 
So I walk around to pick my daughter up. And we're so close that she couldn't even reach her arms out, Jamie. She just put her hands out and she said, can I hold your daughter? And I said, no. And then the posture didn't change. So she said, no, let me hold your daughter. And I said, no, I think her diaper is in as wet left my mouth. This woman was forcibly pulling my daughter from my arms. Wow. This was the only time during our whole interaction that she actually started to put distance between she and I. And she'll never forget, she grabbed Mm -hmm. my daughter's little hand and um, her little wrist, and she made her wave. She emulated a wave, and she asked my daughter to pair it. Okay, say bye-bye to mommy. As a mom, it's in that moment where you're going, no, Mm -hmm. everything the Holy Spirit told me was perfectly intact. And if you go back, I mean, this is, there's research done by someone named Giga Renzer, who's, you know, people have made oodles of money teaching top stars how to trust that gut feeling. I mean, there's a science behind this. I mean, even beyond that caution really was something yeah. God created us with. And so right. any expert will tell you um, who's in that anti-trafficking world to trust that caution. And that's one of the best things you can do as a mom mm-hmm. initially is actually notice your surroundings, which is what I started to do. So the first thing that happened that went through my mind is, man, I have to jeopardize leaving my infant son in this cart while I grab my daughter out of this woman's arms, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. lunge forward and get wow. her. Yeah. And um, for I'm a fortunate parent and that I can say that our daughter went home with us that day, but we found out later And again, part of the story that I won't get into, but I do share in the book that the man who was watching this whole interaction was actually just released from prison a few weeks earlier and who we believe to be in charge of the trafficking ring as he's a, you know, rapist and trafficker. So that was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my life where I always tease. And I think you and I talked about this maybe that my faith felt like that pre-baby bikini. I mean, I could put it on, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like none of the parts fit in it anymore the same way they once did. Mm -hmm. And I just had to go to the Lord and I never questioned him, but I had to question my perception of him, you know, the perception Mm -hmm. that I had of him because I had to reconcile why I was starting to have these feelings of fear and how those, how those could survive amidst my faith, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that looked like to walk in faith while being bombarded with things that naturally are scary, you know? So, Right. right. And you had a, an event that most people have not experienced. So in a sense, do you feel it was a little bit of that post-traumatic stress disorder where It's kind of like you had to work that out too of just the trauma. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, (laughs) that's kind of what, you know, you and I were talking about last time. It didn't stop there. It all happened. Um, All these traumas happened within a very short window of time. Following that trauma was our son's um, drowning in a swimming pool at a hotel. We had gone back and my husband and I 
we were traveling and exhausted. And my, my um, son at the time was now two. And so this was, let's see here, the following year. And the water wings he was wearing, he was just getting uncomfortable and fidgety. And so we thought, no problem, we'll take him off. We're the only family in the pool. We set him at the table right across from us. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, like what, a yard and a half. And um, we're watching him and my husband, I don't know if we were just exhausted or what, but about 10 minutes later, we notice that he's not there and we jump up and say, where did he go? Mm. And my um, second to oldest son pointed to the deep end of the pool. And in that moment, I remember thinking what I'm about to see will forever change my life. I mean, it was in that split second. I thought when I avert my eyes from my second oldest son and I look in that swimming pool this is going to change my life. And so my husband jumped into the deep end and pulled out this blue distended, what looked to be lifeless body. His lips were purple. He, nothing about him indicated there was any life left in him. And I had to do what I pray no mom ever has to do, which is ask the Lord for my life to be breathed into his as I gave him CPR. Oh, wow. And I would have traded anything in that moment. It was like asking the Lord for something that I knew would have to be miraculous. Mm -hmm. And seconds later, even before EMTs arrived, my son sat up, his color returned. And it wasn't until I got to the hospital, you know, I'm behind the ambulance with my other children praying, God, I know that I know how long he was under. I know based on the this place he was at in the pool, what had to have happened for to his body for it to float three feet below. I mean, I, I know what I just experienced was a miracle, but I also know that there can be secondary damage. And as I was praying against that, I didn't even realize until we got to the hospital and the nurses are telling me, okay, well, how much water did he vomit up? That I'm thinking, well, none. I yeah. mean, that never happened. And so- right. My husband and I are looking at each other going, we witnessed a miracle. Yeah. His blood oxygen came back fine. Everything wow. was normal. Praise Jesus. And it, there was no indication that he had even been in a pool. I mean, everything was perfect with wow. his body. And just mm. four weeks after that, right after Christmas, we still had Christmas presents thrown about. We had a devastating house fire, uh, electrical fire. We had no idea. There was some wiring that was bad. This was our forever dream home that we had bought five months before on 10 acres, Mm -hmm. spent every weekend fixing up and updating things and had no idea that behind the wall was an electrical gnarl that for a whole week was uh, preparing to set our house on fire. So everything from 13 years of marriage and a family of six fit into a nine by nine storage shed. And when the fire inspector came out, as well as the fire chief, I just, I remember his hand being almost arthritic, you know, kind of signifying the years of wisdom that he had. Mm-hmm. He's an older gentleman and he had been doing this for decades. And mm-hmm. the electrician was repairing the electrical box in the separate apartment on the property that um, was maybe 10 yards away that our family had planned to move into temporarily. It had been used prior for my my eight and nine-year-old boys to sleep in. And we had had a contractor out the weekend before to quote a build out that would connect the main house to that apartment that they slept in every night. Mm-hmm. And as the electrician 
was there in the background. I was talking to these two gentlemen. We heard him scream and not scream. Guys don't scream, but you know what I mean? Yeah. He yelled. I don't know. Yelled. Yes. Um, yeah. He, uh, something had happened and we came over and I don't know a lot about the electrical panel and all the terms he was using, but one term I could understand was death. And that box that was arcing, the fire chief and the investigator pulled me back over and they said, Amanda, that house. And I remember his arthritic finger pointing to mm-hmm. the smoke and the rubble and the dust. He said, that fire, Amanda, saved you from that fire. He said it would have been days, if not hours, before that building would have burned down. And I, oh my I thought to myself, Lord, my daughter, my toddler's son, mm-hmm. and now the risking of the life of my two boys. Yeah. The reality is that my flesh wants to live in what if. Because the Mm -hmm. fear is so incredibly great. And a few short months later, we had our miscarriage uh, at about 10 or 11 weeks. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we did lose our fifth child to death. And so I know that there are moms out there. You and I have talked. I know you have experienced this to some level. That that fear in motherhood is very real. And we are tempted to focus on what if. Mm-hmm. And the shift for me really happened when I, and I can share that part of the testimony, but when what if started to evaporate and I started to focus on what is, mm. and, and we know that God, the I am, he is what is. <laughs> yeah. And I think you had to face those extreme incidences, like that is extreme traumas that not every mom has experienced. But the fears of something happening to their child is the same. The what ifs, right? Just because a mom hasn't gone through the same experiences as you, her what ifs are just as real as your what ifs. Yes. And so how did you overcome by the what is? You want to go ahead and define that? Yeah. So two things first, and they're, they're two different stories, both found in the book of Genesis. The first was understanding that Eve, whose name means mother of all, the very first mother, when that transgression went down in the Garden of Eden, God did not curse the individuals. He cursed relationships they had to something or someone. And we all know the curse that he gave woman. There were two, but one of them was the relationship she has to her children. We know that they will have pain in childbearing. Well, when I started studying that out more, looking at the original Hebrew words, I always thought that that meant pain in motherhood, sorrow in motherhood, discomfort, anxiety was only related to the birthing process. I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe lots, maybe this isn't, <laughs> maybe that's really basic to a lot of people, but I was ignorant in thinking that that's, it was limited to that. Yeah, when it says pain and childbirth, I, right? I thought I think that too. sure. <laughs> so I'm interested. Yeah, so <laughs> that um, yeah. that original word etzebeb. This when you start studying it out, the sorrow is actually mm-hmm. extended to motherhood, like actual child rearing. And so I, I mean, I was devouring this. I'm thinking, you're kidding me. I mean, it it kind of 
took the pressure off to go, okay, so this is, this is not, this is not anything new. This is part of what Eve experienced as the very first mother and part of what walking this side of heaven, we will endure. And if you ask any mom, Hey, your oh, your child's 30. I guess now you don't worry about them anymore. I mean, that doesn't happen. You know, you always right, right. live yeah. in that perfect tension. But what was so fascinating to me is that you go on to read and it says, you know, your offspring will crush the head of the serpent, right? We hear this like redemptive mm-hmm. storyline weaved into that curse. Well, the very mm-hmm. thing that God gave Eve, this ability to mother, is the very thing <laughs> that would bring about the redemption. Is that not the most beautiful storyline you've you've ever heard in your life? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about yeah. a rendering of the gospel through motherhood. Like Eve had imparted to her this truth that, Eve, this is going to be your curse, but let me tell you what, that's going to be the very thing. That relationship will be the very thing that I bring about my son, Jesus Christ. And and your fear that you feel in this curse will be alleviated by the salvation of the cross. And it blew my mind, Jamie. I thought, God, you're so good. You're so good. You always make a way out. Mm -hmm. And so so when you fast forward to the application of that, because I can hear that all day long, but until I plant it into my heart, it doesn't mean anything more. You know, it's intellectual, but it, it's not planted mm-hmm. in my heart. And I ask the Lord, when I feel these emotions of fear, I want the truth of what I know to overcome those. And so what does that look like, Lord? And to just be very transparent and realistic about how bad it got in in the PTSD question you asked. I mean, my husband and I would wake up. I mean, I felt like for a while there, it was every other night with nightmares about losing our children. And we would wake one another up and say, Hey, I need you to pray with me. Like this is, (laughs) none of us were getting any sleep because either somebody had a nightmare or you're waking somebody up to pray with you, you know? Yeah. And the thing with a child, you're both affected. It's not, I mean, we're affected. If our husband's going through something, we're affected, mm-hmm. but we could be the strong one, pray over them, you know, encourage them, build That's them good. up. But when it's both happening to you at the same time, then it's like, that's a uphill battle in itself of trying to be there for one, of, yeah, one another. Point. Well, I could not agree with you more. You know, I loved reading the story of Eve and Genesis that I just kept on trucking. And I got to Genesis 32 to the story of Jacob. And here he is, you know, he has lived this life of self-sufficiency. And he gets to this point where he realizes that he no longer wants to live this way. You know, his his God has told him, okay, it's time to go back to your homeland. And he recognizes the re- he's being obedient, but he recognizes the reality of meeting up with his brother and that his brother most likely is going to take his life. And so I'm sure that night when the angel of the Lord showed up, that he probably thought that that was a representative of his brother. And he's, you know, wrestling with him. Mm-hmm. And he's asking, you know, Jacob's mm-hmm. asking, like, who are you? <laughs> and he realizes halfway through, like, yeah. Oh my word. I'm I'm wrestling with the God most high or like a representation of the God most high. And and I can just imagine this scene, you know, of like 
just furrowed brow and like beads of sweat and wrestling all night long. And he's just like, I am going to do or die. Like I'm sick of what I've been living in. It's now or never. So mm-hmm. I'm either going to win or you're going to win, but somebody's walking away from here, from this battle, a, a winner. And I went to bed this one particular night and I had a nightmare, probably the worst one to date. And one of the very last ones I've ever had. And I didn't wake my husband up this time. Instead, mm-hmm. I was in such a state of heightened panic. I just cried out to the Lord and I said, I'm done. Like Jacob, I am done wrestling with this. And I have to, like, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long we have to wrestle, but I'm, I'm willing to wrestle with you, Lord. God's so beautiful because he doesn't mind the wrestling because he already knows the answers to our questions. <laughs> And like right. Jacob, it says, was blessed and not, it wasn't about whether he was going to win or lose. I mean, to Jacob, it was in the natural, but to God, he garnered that blessing. Mm-hmm. Jacob garnered that blessing simply because he was willing to enter into the wrestling. And I recognized that I had to face the things that I had been wrestling with and say, Lord, here we are. This is where I'm at. I need to ask you the tough questions and I need to know that you'll answer. And little by little, Jamie, Mm -hmm. and it was like a stake in the ground, a line in the sand kind of evening. I remember rolling over and like typing in my cell phone, like, Jacob, I will respectfully wrestle with you, God. And, you know, when you keep reading after Jacob was hurt and I too walk with a little limp now, you know, this side of heaven, I walk with the tension of feeling like Eve that things concern me, but having to continually surrender those, just like Jacob's story. I realized like what Jacob did at the end of that story (laughs) was he let go. And that was profound for me. I'm like, yeah, everything that I've been holding back in my Christian life with my worn Bible, sharing the gospel my whole life with passion and vigor, and then coming to this place where I felt like a fraud because I wasn't experiencing it for myself anymore. I was in a place of such pain and hurt and anxiety and just going, I am letting go of all of that. And the title Unraveled from the book came about because Aaron and I truly called that season of our life the unraveling. And it wasn't until like pinning the last part of the book and this part of the testimony where I thought, Lord, the end of Unraveled is surrender. He wants us fully unraveled. He wants us to come. Yeah. And when you really intellectually think about, okay, what is faith? What is the faith walk? What is trusting God with all my heart? What, what does it really look like? Like, how do you explain to someone the dynamics of being a believer? It's surrender. And so often when I hear surrender and even in my own life, there's healing. On the other side of that surrender, there's healing. I always show my kids, anybody that I'm around, that I'm talking to about holding on to something when really God just wants us to let go. It's like we white knuckle it, right? But really God wants us to flip our palm, you know, flip it over, open our hands up, right? And just release. And in that posture, it's surrender. Mm. And then following surrender, there's healing, right? Because now you are inviting God to just come in. There's no shut doors in your heart. They're all open. And you're like, God, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to wrestle anymore. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be fearful anymore. You heal me. You take this pain. 
and yeah. you deliver yes. me from I mean, it. The end of Unraveled for me was the piece of yeah. surrender. And when we finally surrender to your point, I mean, that's where you find rest. Yeah. And I believe this wholeheartedly, Jamie, accepting what God gives us is the only way to reciprocate a genuine relationship with an all-knowing God. If we can't receive what God gives us, we don't really trust him. And if we don't really trust him, we've not really made him our God. Right. And we really don't have faith, right? Because it's believing in yeah, something you yeah, can't Yeah, you have see intellectual it. understanding <laughs> of it. But my pain yeah. was in my trials, our traumas what's, were what actually moved me from just intellectual understanding to experiencing the living God. Yeah. Having the encounter with God, it just, that intimacy and that encounter is transformational. Mm-hmm. And that is the word I used over and over. You nailed it, mm-hmm. is intimacy. And it's funny, I start the book by saying I was craving that and wanting that. I mean, I was a believer, like I said, with a worn Bible, and I had a great relationship with the Lord. But that intimacy grew in the depths of my pain. Yeah. God used that to bring Him glory. Mm-hmm. So we grow in the valley, not the mountaintop peaks. And so, as much as we hate going through the desert and the valley, the wilderness, whatever you want to call it, I mean, that's where we really grow and just be in that place, like you're saying, resting in the surrender so you can heal. So what's your advice to women who do the constant what ifs every day? Uh, They have fear when it comes to their children. You have a ministry called Able Moms, where you actually equip moms to overcome fear. What are some of the key points that if somebody's going through something right now that they can start doing? Well, I'll answer that in two parts. So what is something they can do right now that they can start doing? And I get asked this a lot and I really went to the to the word and I said, Lord, okay, I know my experience and I know how you minister to me personally. I know that you've used pain to bring about this intimacy. But Lord, you know, Revelation twelve eleven says they've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So that's the gospel message. And then how the gospel intersected with my life was my story. And while I think that is powerful and effective and, and prayerfully, like you said, when you first prayed before we started, the words that I've been able to share mm-hmm. hopefully will change lives. I also think that that has to be backed up by the word of God in a universal way so that if someone couldn't relate to my story, they can always relate to the universal truth of God's word, right? Right. And so I asked the Lord, you know, what is the universal truth that for this question, you know, like, mm-hmm. how do I grow in this intimacy? How do I start to relinquish the what ifs and live in a fear-free life? And um, the Lord led me directly to Galatians 5. And I'll start at verse 13, where it says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And it, then it starts, but don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. And he wraps up in verse 16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. This is our plight as moms, Jamie. (laughs) This is our, our quote curse. Like our sinful nature craves yeah. To wrestle with the what if. 
but there is a right and a wrong way. Like he's talking to believers. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Mm -hmm. I mean, brothers and sisters, he's talking to you and I, and this is, this hit home for me because I was raising my hand. Like, I'm like, this is resonating because I'm a believer, but why am I not feeling the freedom from fear? Right. And that very next thing says, but don't use your freedom. And I thought, man, there's a right Mm -hmm. and a wrong way to use it. And the right way to use it is to activate it by letting the Holy Spirit guide our lives. That is is as simple as it can possibly be. That's right. And I think so often in that verse, you think of doing bad things. I don't know. You think of, you know, rebellion, right? Yes. You're not thinking of, you know, yes. worry or fear. You're thinking of those things. You're kind of thinking of like sinful, rebellious acts, right? So I love this perspective that Mm -hmm. you just brought to us on that. Yes. I thought the same thing. I'm like, he's talking to the unbelievers. I don't have to Mm -hmm. work. He's talking about all these things that we think of, you know, like debauchery. (laughs) Like, no, he's like, no, activating our freedom by walking in the Holy Spirit. And then to answer your second question about evil moms, this is just a side note. I was involved in an international mom's ministry that I loved. I cut my teeth on leadership there. We had some of the best years. I made great friends in this ministry. Several years in, I noticed there was a change in some of the curriculum mm-hmm. that I got and had access to as the leader of this international mom's group. And so I called the international ministry and I said, hey, I notice this change. I don't really see the gospel message. It's not really clear. Like, can you explain to me? Maybe I'm just misunderstanding. And this person let me know that I was one of hundreds of moms and pastors that had called with the same inquiry. And I kind of hung up the phone thinking, well, you know, it's going to be a little bit more work to weed through curriculum and like pull out the gospel message and, you know, make sure that it's clear and articulate to our moms and, you know, get rid of the stuff that is extra fluff. But I think we can still navigate at the local level. And we did for a while. And then my husband and I moved and we started to get phone calls and emails and messages about how the international organization was clearly affecting and impacting things at the local level of ministry, which is really disheartening. And so The last message I got recently really broke my heart. It was from a woman who kind of expressed that that was church. You know, I mean, her husband wasn't real keen on going on Sunday mornings and and in wisdom, she didn't make it a big deal, but this was church for her. And it was becoming increasingly frustrating that the truth of God wasn't happening in those times of her quote church. Mm Mm-hmm. And so a group of women and I, you, you know, I think I told you I wanted to share this statistic, but you know who George Barna is with the, the Barna um, yes. research uh-huh. group. He's like amazing researcher. And his, he recently did a study in May that said that moms are the most influential spiritual force in their home. And, mm-hmm. and the variable could be that we are in the home possibly more than a working right. daddy, yeah. right? But but we have a huge impact yeah, in our homes. I believe that. And so we uh, moms got together and developed this international ministry that just launched last week called Able Moms on the, the preface that 
moms need to be practical. They need to be capable, excuse me, in their practical mothering. Like they sent me home with my baby and his eyes went cross-eyed and nobody told me that that was supposed to happen. (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm like, oh my word, somebody get the president on the phone. We... I don't know why his eyes are doing this. Like we have neurological issues. Everybody hit their knees. Like we need to pray. Like, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, that just happens that, that you have to be able to navigate yeah. motherhood practically. Yeah. So that's oh, the first. Sorry. And then you'll notice all the, all the words and with able because we're able moms, but unshakable in her faith, like pouring into her spiritually we are a trustworthy resource. You're going to hear the gospel. We're biblical and accurate and we're trendy and fun, but we stick to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then if you make a mom's faith unshakable, then you make her memorable because she can mentor her children in memorable relational activities. So we even provide all these activities that are discipleship oriented where she can invest in her children um, relationally using what she's learned in her unshakable faith. And so moms are capable, unshakable, and memorable. And that they meet just like this international ministry does every two weeks at a host church. Um, They can also, due to COVID, meet right now in homes. But that is ablemoms.org for more information. And oddly enough, any anti-trafficking expert will tell you, if you want to make your kids less vulnerable to trafficking, they need to come from strong relational mm-hmm. homes. And so this was just hand in glove. I mean, this was yeah. like the Lord impassioned me with it and it was amazing. So we're actually, this is our inaugural year. This year's theme is fearless, which is amazing. <laughs> it's pretty much, you know, in developing the curriculum, it's a lot of what we're, it's founded on a lot of what we're talking about, but it yeah. is different and meaty. And it's a turnkey ministry for any leader who's like, I just need the, I need A to Z in my lap so I can go in every two weeks and have this amazing meeting with these moms with resources and materials that you've provided me. We're not starting from scratch. So it has blown the doors off. When we met as a leadership team, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked at how things came together. You and I were talking about this. God never shocks us, but he shocks us. Yeah, (laughs) I know. We still get surprised. (laughs) Oh, so good. So anybody can go on the website and just find the nearest one in their state, in their city. Well, being that we're in our inaugural year right now, we're signing up hosts. By the time this recording hits airwaves, there will be groups already being hosted in in cities and states. So yes, we're looking for host churches and members can sign up as well. So awesome. You're doing so much for the kingdom, Amanda. I just... Oh, he is so good. And the way he works in and through us and gives us these passions that, you know, just come our way unexpectedly, right? But it's all to help others and to point others to Jesus and point them to more of an intimacy with him, encounter Mm -hmm. with him. And I thank you for coming on here and sharing this incredible story, Mm -hmm. how God got you through and how us moms can face fears and the scriptures that you shared were so meaty and so meaningful, so impactful. So thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. I I feel the same about you. I think you are doing things through the kingdom with this podcast. So 
Do you want me to share, again, the sites where these mamas yes, can go yes, or these women do. can go? Okay. For anything, they can go to amandaflow.com and they can access everything that I'm talking about. If they want to access Able Moms directly, that's ablemoms.org. And then what you briefly referenced, um, the first ever anti-trafficking training course for parents and kids is um, www.vigilantfamilies.org. And you must put in the www since it's a training course, just yeah. FYI. But if you just go to amandaflow.com, you can buy the book, you can access Vigilant Families online training, you can access Able Moms, any of that can be found so there. So good. And the online training is to make families aware of really the evilness of human trafficking, child trafficking, correct? Yeah. Vigilant Families was a collaborative project with FBI, CIA, um, the Reisman Institute, experts, authors. It's a first ever. I could not believe this wasn't right. being done. We have training for, I know. for, for first response. I saw it on your Instagram post. You're like, first ever. I'm going, oh, wow. I can believe it. There's, now, there is a company that I guess is starting to move this direction, but they don't, it's not up and running. And I don't, it just is yeah. coming soon. I don't know where they're at, but, but it didn't exist. And when this happened, and I put up this little post that I'm sharing with families. Hey, here's my brief story. Here are the statistics I found. I think to date it's estimated like over, it's been shared over 180,000 times on one social site alone. But it's in magazines and online and videos and it's been rewritten and articles. And so it's estimated 60 million people worldwide have read the story. And that told me parents want access. But because trafficking is a business, it, it evolves very quickly. And so the information is ever-changing and you have to be really, uh, you have to be a good researcher and know what you're talking about and be really abreast. And if you're not a believer, you kind of come at it from a different mm -hmm. angle too. And so this is the first ever online training course for kids and parents. It's, um, I'm a former educator as well as my career had, I was heavily involved in corporate training. And so I use my background to to make it really engaging and and um, mm -hmm. teachable to kids. And so every course has different lessons that are only five to seven minutes. And these experts are the ones that are sharing, like CIA and FBI. And I'm sure you're familiar with Operation Underground right. Railroad. And you know, I mean, the Reisman Institute. And I mean, these she's like the forerunner. I mean, these are huge, yeah. huge names. We have someone who's like the go-to foster mom authority she shares and we cover every topic. We uh, asked parents, what do you want to know? And we just filled in all the blanks. And so that's a good way to start. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's yeah, exactly. So anyway, they can have access to it in their home, age appropriate courses. They can, mm -hmm. some are for parents, some are for kids, some are for teens and everything from self-defense to online safety to what's happening in schools today. It's really, really helpful to parents and kids. So needed. Yes. Uh, especially in the days we're in. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much. I loved having you on here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. 
For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J A Y M E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.